With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dr. Veronica Anderson is an MD, and for her that means many dimensions. She's a surgeon, a mother, a black belt, and a two-time marathon runner here to talk to you about your health, your happiness, and your world. It's wellness for the real world with Dr. Veronica. Well, hello, this is Dr. Veronica. Welcome again to Wellness for the Real World. I'm quite honored tonight to have a very distinguished guest on the show, two very distinguished guests. My first guest is the founder of The Blood Type Diet. Now, we're going to talk about this because a couple of weeks ago, I did a show called Vegetarian Vitamin Deficiency. And after reading Dr. Diadamo's book and understanding my own blood type O, I could see why my friend ended up laying up in the hospital trying to be a vegetarian and why vegetarianism isn't the right answer for everybody. And some people, the right answer is to eat meat, some people more red meat than others. And in Dr. Diadamo's book, in his uh, blood type diet, you find out why this is, who you are, and why this is. Now, we are all individuals. There is no one size fits all. I say that time and time again, and I want you to really embrace it because the truth is that we're all individuals and the same foods that I can eat are not the same foods that necessarily you can eat. You have to figure out an individual approach. And people say, well, how do I do this? This is the way that you can do it. Dr. Diadamo, his first book, he wrote called One Man's Food is Someone Else's Poison. One Man's Food is Someone Else's Poison. Talk first about this Diadamo diet where you figure out, am I O, am I A, am I B, am I AB, and figure out what is going to be the way to optimal health. Now, Dr. Diadamo, for years, has seen many people come into his office because they're sick and trying to heal. And so for those of you who are sick with anything, whether it be a mild headache or a cancer, you need to hear what this gentleman has to say and take it very seriously. He has dedicated his life to trying to help people gain optimal wellness. Now, if you aren't sick and you're just trying to find what is the best way for me to gain my wellness, more than I have it now, and be energetic in life, what is really the right answer for me? I've always felt, me personally, can't be a vegetarian. Eh, I love meat. Guess what? Read Dr. Donald's book, and I said, I'm an O. That's why I love meat and I need a lot of protein. And so guess what? It's wonderful to find out that, you know what, I'm on the right path, and no, I shouldn't be a vegetarian, and then there's some evolutionary biology some science behind the why I like to do what I like to do. Now, I want you to stay tuned for the end because a big contrast to Dr. Diadamo is my second guest, Dr. James Rybaki, and he wrote The Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs. So you're saying, why are you talking about eating for your blood type and drugs all in the same show? Because we're going to talk about what the latest drug is for diets who should take it and who shouldn't take it. And we all need to be educated because there are some people that the right answer for them is to use a pharmaceutical approach to get them under control so that they can move on easier into doing a healthful lifestyle, which may include something like the Diadamo diet, the blood type diet. So I'm very happy to have these two gentlemen on. It is such a pleasure to do a show like Wellness for the Real World, and I'm just a blessed person in that I've been able to talk to these wonderful things. Now, here's the thing. When you read this book, you are going to feel like this is the Bible. 
This is the truth. This is the light. This is the way. Nobody comes through health but through the blood type diet. When I read this, this is one of the things that I thought. But I'm going to ask some tough questions because my friends and I, my other friend who's another Dr. Veronica, we have these discussions every time I go in. She's a chiropractor, expert nutritionist, and we talk critically about all these different plans. So I'm going to ask you some of the tough questions that my other friend, Dr. Veronica, asked me and some of the other people pointed out to me and say, why this, why that, and some questions that I have. So first I want to welcome the esteemed Dr. James Diadamo of the Diadamo Institute in New Hampshire. Dr. Diadamo, the inventor of the blood type diet, just an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, is the new book, A Modern Guide to Healthful Living from the Originator of the Blood Type Diet. Dr. Diadamo, I'm so honored that you are here. I want to let you know that I knew about your diet, had not read the book, and then now in reading your new book said, oh, my gosh, I know exactly why I am the way I am. And after reading this book, was a, I knew I know I'm an O blood type. I classified myself as an OB type. And we're going to let the audience know what all that type means. So first, give us a little bit of background on what made you go towards figuring out that blood type was really important in how one eats and how one exercises even. Well, you know, when I first graduated school, we had been told that everyone should be a vegetarian for basic reasons. Number one, our intestines were very long, and animals that chewed food had very small intestines, and that our teeth were made for mashing, and animals that ate flesh food would tear. So when I first set out to practice, I made everyone a vegetarian. And mind you, some people did very well and others didn't. And, you know, I thought back and I said, my goodness me, I've spent eight years of my life studying, and I'm not helping all the people that I should be. And then I began to think about nature. And, you know, we're told that in a snowstorm, no two snowflakes are alike. Then on a beach of sand, no two grains of sand are alike. Well, if nature went through all that trouble, to make each snowflake different, each grain of sand different, how when it came to the human being it made us all alike. And I began to think about ways in which I could look at the body as the individuals we are. And I realized, you know, we could live with one arm, we could live with one leg, we could live with one kidney, one lung, but we can't live without blood. And having a strong background in, background in blood pathology and thinking about Lansdower's work with blood typing and because of his work, more and more people live through transfusions, I said, let me use that as my point of reference. And I began to realize that, or anthropologists told us, that when the world was first populated, the first blood group to appear in the face of this earth was O. And when I leaned basically towards more flesh foods because I said, gee whiz, if that's the first blood group, then they had to be the hunters and the cavemen. And when I, and I lean more towards protein and exercise, these people seem to do very well. And then many millennia later appeared A's, and these were the gatherers. And when I leaned strongly towards the vegetarian kingdom and less exercise, these people did well. And then, again, many millennia later, appeared B. And when I used the best of both kingdoms, these people did very well. And then the last blood group was AB. And AB only appeared about 2,000 years ago, and they're only 2% of the people of the world. So as I carried the research on from about 1958 until 1979, I realized that I was helping an enormous amount of people that I wasn't helping before. So I wrote my first book in 1979, was published, One Man's Food is Another Man's Poison. And it was earthbreaking because it saw people as the individuals they are. And then I carried the research on a little further, and that's when I discovered sub-blood groups, meaning that your parent may be O, 
or your predominant parent is O, that's the reason why you're O. And if your other parent was B or A, or one of your grandparents, you could have a trace of B or A in your blood. And that began to see people as more the individuals they were and told me so much more about what their bodies needed. And And I wrote my second book, uh, The Damo Diet, in the mid-'80s, and then realized that RH factors had an implication into how quickly or how slowly patients would respond. And if a person was RH positive, they responded faster than RH negatives to my work. And then uh, I carried that research on into my last book, was H1s and A1s, which tells me, does the body need more protein? Does the body need less protein? And, you know, if a person is in O-blood group, generally speaking, their bodies need lots of protein. But if they have an A-negative, or oh, excuse me, O-negative, it means, yes, you need protein, but we need to be careful with the type of protein. And so that's when I wrote my last book, uh, An Ounce of Prevention is Worth a Pound to Cure. And what blood groups really tell us in the sub-blood groups and the RH factors and the H1s and the A1s is what you should experience from life when you're perfectly healthy. In other words, what food is right for you when you're perfectly healthy? What exercise is right for you when you're perfectly healthy? How should your mind process information when you're perfectly healthy? What assets did your body come along with from the moment of birth? What liabilities? So once we have all of this information, we know how you should function when you're perfectly healthy. Okay, so but nobody me... ever comes to me perfectly healthy. <laughs> so this is a barometer, a place always to go to know that this is what the patient should be experiencing when they're perfectly healthy. Okay, so i got to jump in. i got to jump in because I have to ask a question. A couple weeks back, I did a show called Vegetarian Vitamin Deficiency, and what prompted me to do that show is I had a very good friend who decided she was going to be a vegetarian and ended up in the hospital very, very vitamin depleted. And so there's been a debate raging because people who are vegetarians and really thriving think that that is the way, the truth, and the light. Vegetarianism is like Jesus for people who are like it. It's the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody comes anywhere except whether you're a vegetarian or not. And when I read your book and you said, this only works really for this group of people. It made me know, you know what, my friend is probably probably an O, this is, you know. And this is why she got very depleted. And I've seen lots of other people who have been vegetarians and become very depleted. I had some guests on the show like that. And then they said, nobody should be a vegetarian. I always say the truth is somewhere in between. Your plan has showed what people will thrive as vegetarians and what people will absolutely crash and burn. Burn. So let's talk about that right now. Who should absolutely avoid vegetarianism and why? Well, I think O's could not and should not be vegetarians. Emphatically not. O's make the best athletes. Uh, and in the inroad into the intellect in an O is by being physically active. I'm an O. Uh, right. And so, you know, you could wake up in the morning with a problem and you go for a run. At the end of the run, or a little later that day, you have an answer to your problem. Yes. So, yes. And, and O's always need uh, a physical exercise. Three very important things happen when an O exercises. Number one is you physically use your body to release stress. So worry, anxiety, fears, tensions ease up. It's not that problems evaporate. It's the mind becomes so much clearer that you see into problems that you better solve problems. If you have to learn something for school or work, the minute you come home with that information, I'd say to you, please don't read it. First go out and exercise. Then come back into the house, sit down, read the information. You assimilate it more quickly and you retain it longer. And O's are the great thinkers of the world. They think and they think and they think. And sometimes they think so much that opportunity literally passes them by. You need to know that an O needs to have all the information before them. 
So let's suppose it's a document and it's 10 pages long. Don't read five and make a decision. You'll make the wrong decision. Read the 10 pages, put the document down, make your decision. And if you look at how an O digests, O's always have a hyperacidity of the stomach. And that's the reason why O's are capable of breaking down protein. But then it also leaves them, if the acid levels are too high, for duodenal ulcers. So this is a, and of course, when we think about O's, there's two things we need to be very careful with. Number one, we need to be careful with milks and cheeses because that tends to make mucus. And that could be one of the problems O's suffer with, even since they were little children, little colds, little sinus, little catarrh, little allergies, because dairy doesn't play a role in an O's body. And you need to be very careful with whole wheat products because whole wheat products in an O is 85% of the wrong acid. So there's the answer with the O's. And, of course, the blood group and the mistake, I think, that even though I created this, lots of people are writing lots of books, and they're saying this is the way to go. But all blood type does is it tells us what we should experience when we're perfectly healthy, which means that, again, I think that people come in to our offices because they have symptoms. And everybody says, you know, my problem is this. Um, example, a young woman wakes up every morning of her life and she has a headache. Every night she goes to sleep with a headache. And she has it for years, so it's very chronic. And eventually, at some point, she says, I can't live my life like this. And the first person she goes to says, what's bothering you? And she says, my problem is I have headaches. And he says, or she says, well, I have a perfect example a perfect answer, and they give her an aspirin-like compound. And like a miracle, the pain clears up. But when the aspirin wears off because of the chronicity of the headache, the pain is back again. And here's the mistake that's being made both in allopathic medicine and alternative medicine. We tend to treat symptoms, and symptoms are not the cause of the illness. Symptoms are a manifestation of a series of wrongs we've done to our body in the past. You know, you see, I see food as a form of energy. Most people today see food as an expression in life. You go to a restaurant with a friend of yours, and he looks at you, and you look at him, and you say, my God, this was an incredible meal. We need to come back here and try this restaurant again. Rarely do people say to themselves, what did this food just do to my body? Well, you know darn well if you go out and you buy an automobile with a high compression engine and you put inexpensive gasoline in it, it takes you from point A to point B, not as well as it should, and it breaks down before it should, and this makes all the sense in the world because you did not do right by the engine. Well, food is fuel to the body. And most sicknesses and diseases really start when we're infants by well-meaning parents thinking they're feeding us the right food, but what may have been the right food for other infants could have been the wrong food for us. And if you look at an infant, it's born, it's only so big. And each and every day of its life, it keeps growing. It's growing because every day the body is manufacturing tens of millions of cells. But if the cells are not fed correctly, the body grows. But when the cells have to function as a heart cell or as a kidney cell or as a liver cell, instead of functioning at 100% peak performance, it's functioning at 60 or 40. And the interesting thing is, is that when you're able to go out on your own, you eat as your parents fed you because they established your taste buds. And if a mistake was being made, you perpetuated it. And when millions of millions of weakened cells come together, it weakens an organ, and a weakened organ produces a symptom. So why treat the symptom? Why not locate the weakness and treat that? And as we do that, then the symptoms begin to go away and stay away. Okay, so now let me just interrupt and say... I want to get back to the one we talked about O's. I want to get back to the ideal vegetarian. 
who are the people who thrive that way? Just because I know there's a lot of people out there who are considering all different lifestyles to make them healthy. Now we know who O's are. We know what they like. What about who? which type is the ideal vegetarian? And let me just say I have welcome to all the people who are in the chat room. I see there's a lot of people. Put, put questions in there. I have people, somebody asking, I'm a, I think an A, I mean, A, OH positive or something like that, or I'll, I'll get back to it. But tell us about the idea of vegetation. Oh, RH negative A plus. I, I think that the ideal vegetarian would be an A blood group. Aha. A pure A pure would a. be an ideal vegetarian. Okay. So remember, they're only 38% of the people of the world. Now, if they have a subtrait of B or O, then their bodies require small amounts of protein. And then we would look more towards fish or more towards turkey. And we would stay away from the heavy meats. But if they're a pure A, then they should be a vegetarian. If they have a trait, then you need to bring in protein at small quantities. Okay, let me ask today, hot off the presses, risk, more red meat, more mortality. We are always being warned against eating red meat because we're told it's going to kill us. Now, in your diet, you talk about different types of protein forms, and certain types of protein forms are better for certain blood types, and others are worse for subtypes. So this more mortality from red meat is not something that seems to apply to us all. Can you shed some light on this well, hollow-presses research? Well, let's put it this way. O's require protein. Protein, the word protein derives from the Greek word proteus, which is the strongest food a human being could put into his or her body. So here we have an O who needs protein. But if you eat the protein and you don't exercise, then the good of the protein becomes a poison. See, protein is a wonderful servant providing you burn up the energy of the protein. So therefore, exercise now plays a very important role in an O blood group. Best time of day to exercise, first thing in the morning. Type of exercise, the harder, the longer, the sweatier, the better. <clears throat> if you exercise that way, you go through the day calmer, more peaceful, more centered, making better decisions, and finishing your work sooner. If you look at an A, now heavy aerobic exercises are not the answer in A. What the answer in an A is yoga, hatha yoga, tai chi, or shigang. Because you need to calm the nervous system. Because the most sensitive part of an A is the nervous system. God's gift to the A is the intellect, not the physical body. And you know, it's interesting because most A's want to be O's and O's want to be A's. <laughs> it's this incredible mistake. You know, I'm practicing since 1955. I guess we've seen over 60,000 patients plus, and it never seems to fail. O's always want to be vegetarians. A's always want to be flesh eaters. A's always want to be the athletes. And the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> if you look at what's going on in America, we have an increase in diabetes. We have obesity. Uh, Alzheimer's on the increase. Arthritis is on the increase. Cancer is on the increase. Cholesterol is on the increase. Not on decreases. And all of this is occurring because people haven't come to the realization that we are what we eat and that we're all individuals. And there's no one answer for everyone. That's the mistake that... As I said, allopathic medicine is making and natural alternative medicine is making, seeing people as people. And it's interesting because if I take an O who has high cholesterol, I will give them flesh protein and their cholesterols will go down. If an A is eating high cholesterol, high meats, then they're going to raise their cholesterols. So the answer is understanding, and each and every person needs to see themselves as the individual they are, totally different than everyone else. So when you read a book or when someone makes a statement, is it the truth for you? Is it right for you?
And I think that this is the important thing. And okay, of course, so now I got I got to chime in and ask. Sure. We talked about O's. We talked about A's. I have people saying, "Well, I'm a B." Tell us okay. about B's because we need to know the the complement of things, and then you know a short word about A B's because A B's are really right. a very small segment of the population. So right. type well, B's. What is the what is the B's are interesting B's? people because B's the type of people. They tend to like order in their life. Things in place, everything should have its place. And disorder is very upsetting. So bees function with order. They they probably make the best business people in the world, the best therapists in the world, and their bodies require the best of both kingdoms. But they need to be somewhat careful with lagoons. They need to be somewhat careful with chicken, uh, and they need to be somewhat careful with wheat products. And when it comes to exercise, mm, you know, the O could exercise for an hour plus. A's need to do yoga or half yoga. The B, about 30 minutes of, of exercise, first thing in the morning. Okay. Now, let me ask some questions. I'm looking over, I'm reading, and I'm saying, no, okay, so here I am at O, and here's the diet I'm looking at. Let me ask you about some. In your book, I want everybody to know, yes, go to the book. It has everything laid out in it. It includes food lists. So you can look and say what's good for you and not and not good for you, but also some recipes and suggested menus. But a lot of the book is information so you can figure out why you are what you are. Just an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And let me ask some questions that me – now, I have a very good friend. I'm Dr. Veronica, and I have a very good friend who's Dr. Veronica, who's a chiropractor, a non-forced chiropractor. So every time we go in, we have these long discussions about – whatever is going on in health and wellness of the day. I noticed on your list some of the foods that I absolutely love are not on my list, and I don't see them on anybody's list. Cantaloupe and honeydew. Tell us they about melon. They tend to be yeasty products, uh, and they tend to create yeast or candidiasis in people. Uh, and consequently, I generally speaking, leave them, leave them out of the menu. Ah, okay. What about your list of nuts? Cashews. I don't Cashews is, well, let's stop and think about all the people, what's going on in America with obesity. And most certainly a cashew, most certainly uh, uh, peanuts are all lagoons, and a lagoon is a starch. So most certainly, those are two nuts that I usually don't have patients eat. Okay, so what nuts would you recommend that people should go heavier on? Uh, almonds, which are a wonderful form of protein, walnuts, uh, sesame seed, sunflower seeds. You know, those, those nuts of that range are very good for people. And do you recommend <clears throat> raw over roasted? Uh, I like raw better than roasted, although roasted are more tastier, but you've depleted some of the oils, the essential oils that are in the nuts. So most certainly raw is what I would prefer most people eat. Okay, so now I have another friend that said to me, well, I've noticed that this is somebody else who practiced and has tried um, this practice with their patient base and said, the O's, for people who are O's, this works very well. When I've had other people who are the other blood types, this whole plan doesn't seem to work as well. But I think it works well for the O's because it's really a kind of a paleo diet. They're the first blood type. O's diet is a paleo diet, and that's why it works. Comment on that. Does, is it, is it, have you noticed that for O's, this seems to work fabulously, but then for the other groups, it seems to be a little bit more challenging? Again, I think that most people sort of fall out of the picture and realizing, remember, what blood groups, sub-blood group, RH factors, H1s, A1s tell us is what food is right for our body when we're perfectly healthy, what exercise is right for our body when we're perfectly healthy, how should our mind process information when we're perfectly healthy, what acids did our body come along from the moment the birth were liabilities. <clears throat> what you need to set out to treat 
are the complaints that people are suffering with. And again, I say to you, most people listen to the patient's symptoms. And that's the one thing that I'm not interested in. What I'm interested in is what caused the symptom. So we do what I call a pulse diagnosis. It's not the orthodox way of taking a pulse. It's not the Chinese way of taking a pulse. <clears throat> there are six pulses. The first pulse tells me what the physical energy in the body is. The next pulse tells me what the acid level of the body is. The third pulse tells me how the bowels are functioning or not functioning. The next pulse tells me how the kidneys are functioning, small intestine, and liver. And this gives me an insight as to now what's going on in the body. If I don't derive any pulse, then I know we have an autoimmune illness and all the antennas go up because this is talking about something that's very serious. And then the next thing that I do is examine the iris of the eye. And the iris of the eye, to me, is like a map of the body where I can see illnesses that started from childhood and are causing uh, the problems of today. And then we have to set out and first treat those weaknesses. And as we treat those weaknesses, then the symptomatic picture changes. And then you could be what you need to be, your blood group. And <clears throat> today, most of the times we're examining people with heart conditions or with cancer or with uh, hypoglycemia or diabetes or what have you. And as we treat the cause of the problem, then the symptomatic picture begins to change. Because the, the key is if, if someone has cancer, it's what caused the cancer. Yes. You, 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 there's, if they have a heart condition, what caused the heart condition? What caused the diabetes? What caused the arthritis? Not to treat the arthritis, but what caused it? Now, let me, let me just ask your feeling about cancer. Cancer is one of those things in our culture that people just say, I got it. I was struck with it. I had this horrible misfortune. And you were really tough in your book and said, no, you didn't just get it. <laughs> you did something so that you did it to yourself, basically. You said pretty much that's the people are doing these things to themselves. So right. now I want to ask you about that. But wait, before you comment on the cancer thing, I have to I promised in the chat room I was gonna answer this ask this question. Wheat. Wheat talk about wheat and wheat products because it seems like today nobody can eat gluten, everybody's sensitive. What's going on? Is wheat just the all round devil like white sugar or is it just that there's so many all us O's can't tolerate it and there are groups that can tolerate it. So Comment about the wheat and what's going on with all this gluten stuff and everything. Wheat is 85% of the wrong acid. Uh, and most certainly, in an O, it changes the gastric juices of the stomach, then proliferates into muscles and joints and causes aches and pains like arthritis. In an A, uh, wheat is also 85% of, of the wrong acid and again causes an, an array of, of various illnesses. So wheat as a whole is not good for the human being. So in an O, the best would be spelt, which is a grain, but an ancient grain. And in an A, you would want to use um, germinated wheat. In other words, uh, if you take wheat and you wash it, and then you wrap it in a moist cloth, in about eight hours, it germinates itself. And in the process of germinating itself, the acid level of the wheat changes. So Ezekiel bread is the bread that I suggest for an A, and spelt bread is a bread that I suggest for an O, because spelt is, uh, is, is much better for O's, and Ezekiel bread is much better for A's, A blood groups. What about if you're, you like pasta? What substitutes would you recommend for that? Well, there's soya pasta, there's rice pasta, and there's spelt pasta. But, you know, we're getting into 
a situation which I see is a great concern, and that is that I see most of the American public suffering with hypoglycemia. Ah, yes, you talked about that a lot. Tell us about the hypoglycemia and how important that is. Hypoglycemia is a situation where there's a weakness in the pancreas. And if you have a weakness in the pancreas and pancreas alone, you become a diabetic. So the infinite wisdom within the body, as it sees the pancreas under stress, it uses the adrenal glands to slow it up. And then you develop what we call low blood sugar or hypoglycemia, which has to be treated like diabetes. And as far as I'm concerned, this is the major one product process in America. Uh, example, how much of your audience wakes up every morning after they've slept eight hours and they're tired? Uh, a little bit after lunch, if you had your way, you'd close your eyes for 30 seconds. 2.30 in the afternoon, all of a sudden you wish everybody would leave you alone so you could lie down and go to sleep. And in the female, it always throws the hormonal system off, and there's always a problem with weight. And even if you go to Weight Watchers or any of the other programs and you lose 15 pounds, inside of a week or two, you put on 16 pounds because you never really treated the real cause of the problem. And the real cause of the problem is not the, an oral fixation, but a biochemical imbalance in the body, which is making you gravitate towards sugars and starches. And we see it with our children today going to school, they're all obese. They can't sit still. They're fidgeting in the classroom, and consequently, they're all on tranquilizers. This is absolutely senseless, because the problem is, again, a biochemical one. Wow. And, and, and the real key in a situation of that sort is high protein, no carbohydrates. High protein, no carbohydrates. No carbohydrates. And most certainly uh, treating the adrenal glands. But, but, but this, is, this is the problem which is facing America. Just look at what's out there. I mean, you go to restaurants, people are absolutely obese. <laughs> When we have children in school who can't learn, who fidgeting, and they put on tranquilizers when they're hypoglycemic to begin with. It was amazing because when I was practicing in Toronto, I had a family whose son burnt down their house. Hypoglycemia. So these are things that they plague America, and most certainly we continue to add more sugars and more starches to our menu. Now, let's switch back to this cancer thing. You're, you were very tough on people about the cancer. Cancer is an abuse. All cancer is is a normal cell whose biochemistry has changed. And, ab and normal cells become abnormal and make abnormal cells at an abnormal rate. <clears throat> and for years and years, the American Cancer Society was fleecing the American public, saying, we're going to look for a germ. We're going to fight this germ. And they just, when they all knew that there was no germ, there was no virus, it's an abuse. Stress. You know, in 1932, Germany had the highest rate of cancer of all of Europe. And the powers to be at that time took all of the healing professions and gave them three years to come up with an answer. At the end of three years, the answer was, it's not a virus, it's not a germ, it's an abuse. Smoking, alcohol, stress, food preservatives, coal tar, and x-ray produce cancer. And the interesting thing is with all the devastation Germany went through in World War II, at the end of that time, it had the lowest rate of cancer of all of Europe because they stopped all of that. And it's most interesting because if you go into the health food store today and you look at the most impressive juices that are in jars, they're these rare, rare juices that come from Germany. And those were beer companies that used to make beer that were told that they could no longer make beer. So they, they stopped smoking in Germany during World War II. They stopped food preservatives. 
they stopped coal tar derivatives, and they were successful. Interesting. So I know there's going to be a lot of just hot, mad people over the cancer thing. <laughs> I apologize, but... Um, it's it's the type of thing that we've done to ourselves. It's stuff that we've yes, been it eating. Is. It's stuff that we've allowed to be in our environment that's making things toxic. And But really, if you look at all cancers, um, they can be affected very easily by diet and exercise. And research is now showing this. So if you can modify your cancer risk or the cancer or the return of it with changing your eating habits and changing your exercise habits, then what does that say? It really does say it's something that we're doing to ourselves. Even if you're doing it inadvertently, it's something that we're doing to yourself. And that's what the shame of it is. I think a lot of us have done it to ourselves or are doing it to ourselves inadvertently. So the reason why I have brought you here, Dr. Diadamo, because I believe your work is fantastic. It's something that when people try it, they realize, you know what, this isn't so difficult to do because once you start listening to your body, you realize these are kind of the things I'm gravitating towards anyway. I just need to do more of them after after you get rid of the cravings, of course, okay? So you got to get rid of the cravings. you got to get rid of that hypoglycemia. Once that happens and you start eating towards your blood type, you start noticing that you come into balance and it's very easy to eat the foods from the list because for some reason, whatever it is, you start naturally gravitating towards these things. So now, Dr. Diadama, I want to give you, I have another guest that I want to get on that's a big contrast to you, but I want to give you a last word on something that you want to impart upon the audience, something that you feel like they must know that will transform their life. Well, I think we need to take responsibility for our own health. And most certainly be patient, because if most illnesses started in our childhood, then we need to be patient and work with this knowledge. And, you know, if you wish to, uh, your, your audience can, can go to the website, www.thedamoinstitute.com, and there's a ton of information that they can get there. Or if they'll call the office at 603 430-7600, most certainly we'll send them more information. And I think the key is being patient, working with nature, and then nature has to give you everything you want. It can't refuse you. Thank you so much. You are the statesman of the body, and I appreciate you being on Wellness for the Real World, and I know all my guests appreciate all the great information you just gave so just an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Go out and get this book. I'm telling you, this is something that might become the Bible of your life from how to make yourself feel better. You're going to get spiritual on your knees and start saying hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, when you read this book, okay, even if you believe in something else. Because I'm just saying the information in here is just very fantastic. Thank you for your life's work and your mission and go, people, if you see something that's good, run towards it. This is something that you should run toward. Dr. Diadamo, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I have a big contrast for you with my next guest. But I want to bring you all kinds of information because we have questions about all types of things. This gentleman has been on Wellness for the Real World before, he is the author of Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs. And you're saying, Dr. Veronica, you just talked about all those nice things with Dr. Diadamo. But guess what? We need to take prescription drugs. And I wanted to talk specifically about diet drugs that are out there. Are there any that are good? What are the ones that are bad? What are the things that are happening to people? Because I'd say two or three times a year, we have a new diet drug that comes on the scene. And people want to know. We are America. We want to be educated about everything. There are some people who will decide, this is the right way to go. Let me try it. So I'm going to welcome um, Dr. Rybakion. Can we get you on? I think uh, you did. Yay! <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Yes. 
Thank you for joining us again. I'm so happy. We've been having audience. I'm sorry. We've had some tech. Russell's having some technical difficulties over there, um, and so that's why there was a little bit of problem. Well, it's, been, it it's been quite a night. It's been quite a night down here in the engine room. Let me tell you. Well, I'll tell you, no, no worries about that because I loved what I could listen to when I could hear it, and then being brought back on was like somebody throwing me a life preserver. Ah, yes. Well, the beautiful thing I want to let you know, audience, is that. Um, when you do a podcast, then it's going to be available to you, and then we can clean it up a little bit with all the little, you know, snafus that happen and make it sound beautiful. So if you want to go back and listen to this information, if you go to drveronica.com, there's a Listen Now button where you can get it. But I also want to encourage everyone again to go to askdrveronica.com where you can get free reports. My get my guests tend to blog, and we put blogs up from them, but some of them write reports so that you can get some really good information based on either something that wasn't said on the show or something they heard. They wanted to write something new and tell you how to transform your life. So go to AskDrVeronica.com. The box is going to pop up. You're going to get that free report, and when something good happens and we have good information to tell you, we will bring it right to you. So now... Dr. Ibeki, tell us about the latest and greatest diet drugs. There's this one that begins, I think, with a Q, Qnexa or something like that. Yep, yep. There, there absolutely is. And, and I would first premise anything I say with the fact that I love what we just heard. And I think a tailored approach to weight loss using medicines, if you make a decision to do that, the basic focus here, I think, though, is that weight is the devil, and, and there's all of those things that are going to happen, that risks for heart disease and a lot of inflammatory things going on and a lot of chemicals actually released. A lot of people think the weight just sits there. It doesn't. But if you make a decision that, well, you know, I'm having trouble getting to the root of what this is and I've tried a whole bunch of different things, one of the latest ones in the pipeline is an experimental medicine still in front of the FDA, and it's actually one that's come back in front of the FDA. We send out a, a newsletter from EssentialGuideToPrescriptionDrugs.com. That's a free thing. If you want to go there, go sign up. And what we talked about was, hey, two old medicines are new again in Cunexa. Well, why on God's green earth would they do that? Well, if you take a little closer look at it, one of the medicines is actually phentermine, which is the old sort of name of, of Adipex, and the other one is to pyramid. And so our listeners have to be going, uh-oh, here come the names again. Don't do the names again. Well, we have to do the names a little bit. The brand name for to pyramid is Topamax, and I'm here to tell you, Sparky, it's a seizure drug. Yes. And you look at that and you go, oh, wait a minute. What it gets down to is brain chemistry and what these medicines do in looking at particular kinds of transmitters. Probably, and I'm going to say probably because I, I think there's a little uncertainty in this. If you, if you had a copy of the 2004 Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs, I actually put a profile onto Pyramid in there, Topamax or Topamax Sprinkle. And in the unlabeled uses, I put may have a role in treating binge eating. Well, every once in a while, a squirrel finds an acorn, and it's amazing, and they go, how about that? That wasn't what it was really meant to be for. Probably what it does is it makes you feel full because a side effect of the seizure medicine topiramate is it sort of slows down your stomach a little bit it probably increases your energy expenditure a little bit, and that's only half of the drug. So this Cunexa also has fentramine in it. And so fentramine is one of those stimulant kinds of um, <laughs> weight loss drugs. And when you look at that, there's actually about 6.1 million prescriptions were written in 2009 for that. And while it's restricted to short-term management of obesity, what it probably does is go, hmm, I'm going to have an effect on the hypothalamus, and what it makes you feel is like not hungry. So you've got a combination of two different things 
coming together in one pill in a somewhat lower dose than the other original prescription form. And the first time it came in front of the FDA, they went, nope, we're not going to approve it. And 10 to 6, they said, well, we're just not sure enough. And there was such an uproar about this. It was remarkable. There were people, I was actually at that, I was at that FDA hearing. There were people crying. There was wailing and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> it was absolutely <laughs> shocking. Americans are great about whining about not having access to drugs. But let me just yep. ask you something about this. Thin, thin. This is just like, okay, are we back to the, the thin, thin, where people are going to have heart problems and all these horrible side effects it, between this? Exactly. And th- that's what everybody remembers, as well they should. And that goes back to, gee, let's see, 1997, and they said, well, gee, um, there's probably a big risk of heart problems, and we've got to be careful about that. Well, where were they ahead of that? This time, and going back to... About two years ago, they said, well, I don't know. Um, there's some things here that we should be concerned about. Uh, and, by the way, it does cause birth defects. So the company <laughs> went back and actually extended their one-year study. And what they came up with was, well, all right, there is a potential increase in heart rate but it's one or two beats a minute based on what the FDA took a little bit longer look at. And that's probably manageable. There's probably an increase in blood pressure. There may be some, they were sort of veiled as mental status changes, and those have to be more fully clarified for me to recommend anything like that. They call them cognitive. But is this available now widespread for everyone? No, absolutely not. Um, but um, the FDA earliest possible approval date is April 17th. Right so around the corner. <laughs> on my planet, right around the corner. Um, in fact, if you look at the corner of my desk, you'd see a bunch of information um, relating to, I'm going to write an essential guide to prescription drug monograph on that, about 24 pages, just so I can try to help people make a more informed benefit-to-risk decision. Some of that will come out in the FDA labeling. Clearly, this is not going to be for someone who's going to become pregnant or anyone who is pregnant. It will probably be a Category X. That means don't take it if you're pregnant, you know, because it's going to cause birth defects. And knowing that, it actually – I put something up on my website about that, and I got a bunch of some scathing emails, actually, some real flavor flamers about that. Um, thinking I was picking on Elizabeth Vargas, and I wasn't. She was asking some questions on Twitter, and, and she asked them, I thought, pretty intelligently. And some people took it as I was railing on her about asking questions about a drug when she didn't have the background. Well, I wasn't, and I'm here to say, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, if that hurt your feelings. All I was saying was, <laughs> you know, we need to take a harder look at this, and it's worth it. Um, if you look at the, the ramifications, and going back to our last guest, you know, um, there's whole big control in eating because this is something that you do of your own volition. Nobody usually shoves food down your throat, and it's a very, very complex situation. And so what we want is the best benefit of outcomes or results, and what that's usually defined as in weight loss, it actually um, comes from the NIH usually, but I think it should be tailored. It's about a 10% weight loss when you, you, you try that first medicine. That sort of makes sense to me. Exercise should be viewed as a drug, though, unequivocally. does a whole bunch of good things. And the reasons that we eat and the reasons we don't feel full, and to the two members in my family who I won't name, I, John, and Christine, <laughs> please lose some weight, um, oh, you know, they eat when they're stressed. And yeah. a lot of people do that. It is not uncommon. And and part of this whole stressed-out society that we have and part of the idea of some meditation and some complementary care and getting your life back in balance, that so works in concert with the pills, with the medicines, if you find the right one for you.
Okay, so now, now I got to ask the question that's been brewing yep. in social media and all over the place. I got to ask you about this question, the elephant in the room. I drive through the state all the time. Governor Chris Christie looks like he's <laughs> growing, okay? Now, I'm not saying that because I'm trying to jab at Governor Chris Christie. I'm uh-huh. looking at it because when I look at somebody like Chris Christie, I see an addict because we know the food for many people, is an addiction, especially yep. when you get to the size that Governor Christie has gotten to. So I'm looking and saying if you were alcoholic or a drug addict, everybody would be saying anything jumping up and down. But the fact that he's morbidly obese and looks like he's growing, nobody's saying anything. Now, for, to me, when you start looking at the addict, sometimes, maybe a lot of times, a drug Maybe the right way to get the addiction part of what's going on under control so that they can start to gain back their life, their body, and therefore their health. So comment on, I mean, oh, gosh, I feel bad for the poor man because yesterday I was with a friend and she's like, stick an apple in his mouth and put him on a platter. I mean, you know, we're all joking about it, but yet we're not supposed to say anything about it because – um, look, I did a show on thin people rights, and oh my God, people were throwing the, the things that just every all the daggers at me. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it trying to be mean to him. I'm saying it because when I look at him, I'm looking at somebody who I think is an addict, very out of control, and I'm thinking these type of drugs are possibly the way to get somebody like him started. What do you say to that? I say amen to that. There are 72 million. Over a third of the country obese, another 32.7, depending on the statistics. But that says to me there's about 140 million people, like my father who died early, obese, heart attack. Gee, is that a surprise? No. And I still miss him. You know, you you got to put your family into this, I think, and make it some family and patient-centered care. If you have a loved one, a child, a mother, a father who's overweight, I think, I put this on my website, I think it's time that we think about it as a fat attack. It's it's a fat attack. The fat isn't just sitting there. It's doing a whole bunch of things that are inflammatory, that are pounding on the inside of your blood vessels, that are making all that cholesterol and the rest of the stuff you're sloughing down there that you can't control, maybe. <laughs> but my hands are right here, and I did, they just make me eat stuff all the time. Well, no, I don't believe that. I'm not buying it. But putting the true power of a well-designed, well-thought-out medicine approach, and I would argue with some behavioral therapy, with some exercise, with the other components that God put on this planet, say, you know, geez, there there is some good stuff here and some other kinds of medicines and certainly some extracts. There's good data for some green tea. I mean, come on, think about that. That makes sense to me. Some of the yeah. other well, components, some chromium, if you're chrom- – pardon me? I was going to say, if you look at somebody like a, a Governor Christie, he's under an incredible amount of stress. And so he may be a stress either. He may be yep. having, you know, the, the, the adrenal stuff going on, the cortisol firing. And so, yeah, he is getting larger, and he's probably – packing away a ton of calories on top of it all and is compulsive about it at this point because he doesn't know what else to do and he has all this stress going on. And so I'm it saying feels better. that yep. he does yep. feel better because you're feeding that empty spot that's not actually you're you're hungry for nutrition, but there's some other stuff going on. So yes, therapy is needed, but also what I'm saying is that and this is why I talk on wellness for a real world. I want a rounded approach and I say there you yes, go. There are times where pharmaceuticals is the right answer. So now I want to encourage people, Dr. Rybacki, thank you for the Essential Guide to Prescription Drugs. Everyone go there, get information. There's great information here. We've got to have them back whenever we have certain subjects on just because you can give us the here's the pharmaceutical approach that we can talk about. So, I would love to. And, and and you know what, I'm going to have to interact with you more on Twitter because I'm on there all the time, so I've got to see what you're saying. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's Rybecki Knows on Twitter. Yes. 
folks, Dr. Veronica IMD. Follow me on Twitter. Go to AskDrVeronica.com. Get the free report. I want Dr. Rybecki to make us a little special report just for the Dr. Veronica audience so that we can I would love that. get some stuff out there. So let's we're going to talk offline and figure out what the audience might like. And I'm going to Perfect. try to get Dr. Diadamo to do the same thing, like a quick start guide to the o, the blood type diet so you can just download it and be able to do it. So I want to thank everyone for being on Wellness for the Real World, especially the people who've been in the chat room asking the questions. Go to AskDrVeronica.com. Ask questions in the box. I'd like to ask my guests. I'd like to come up with new show ideas. And we want to give you information. And everybody, please say, get well, Russell. Get well, Russell. We want to hear your voice again next week. Dr. Veronica Anderson, drveronica.com, Wellness for the Real World. I love you all. Keep following us. And we're going to talk health care next week, actual health care. Wellness for the Real World with Dr. Veronica. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.